Okay, so before this podcast starts, I'd like to just first do a quick introduction for my man Paul Park. Um, he's the co-founder of A Fit Training Academy, and Malcolm and I known Paul Park for a combined years of three to five years. Um, he's just such an upstanding guy, and I think we both can agree that we have a lot of respect for his ability to coach and also his character as an individual. Uh, Paul Park has been in this industry for almost 10 years now. Um, he's going to do his own little introduction in the beginning of this podcast, but I'd like to just first say um, thank you to Paul Park for taking his time out of the day to come onto this podcast because this episode is seriously the best episode we recorded so far in terms of length and also in terms of context and content. Um, so there's a lot to listen to. I hope you guys enjoy it. And once again, if you want to check out Paul Park and Outfit Training Academy, listen towards the end of the podcast. He'll explain everything that his company does. Thank you again, Paul Park, for coming on to this episode. And I hope everyone enjoys this amazing episode. Welcome to the Rush Hour Fitness Podcast. This is episode number 77. I'm your host, Terry, and your co-host, Malcolm, here. Hey, guys. What's going on? So in today's episode, we got a guest on the show. We have our man, Paul Park. Uh, what's up, Bill? Outfit Training Academy. How are we doing? You sound a little tired, Paul. It's been a long week. So. Yeah. So um, in today's episode, we're discussing about um, just the fitness industry in general, um, our thoughts about it, I guess the pros and cons about how the fitness industry is, is right now in its current state. And yeah, in terms of the corporate setting and also private setting of the fitness industry. Sounds good to me. Cool. So uh, yeah, Paul, since you're new on the show... Uh, why don't you give us a background in terms of like your experience as a trainer? That way the people who are listening know who you are. Cool, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been in this business for around 10 years now. Kind of in and out of working in the private sector, places like Equinox. And um, probably half with Equinox in the private sector and half with you know collegiate athletics. I'm working at D1 to D3 level and just... Um, got a good mix of opportunities, getting a chance to work with different types of people, athletes to general population and, you know, seeing the business side, you know, seeing, um, you know, the, the collegiate NCAA side and just, um, just seeing all the stuff that's been going on the last 10 years and, and how, how things have developed and, and just seeing how the way that this business has just exploded, like the fitness industry has just exploded and still mm-hmm. continuing to grow. And um, just seeing how, you know, it's becoming even more important now in this day and age. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely, I think health right now is it's number one on the list for a lot of people. I mean, even myself in my own community and uh, like the gyms, different gyms I've been to, is you just see more and more members signing up for gyms and because, you know, health is important. Everyone talks about health. It's, it's in the news. You know, people talk about it on podcasts like this one. And also, you know, people and their friends, they always discuss about, hey, what's the best way to have longevity? And that's through fitness and that's through working out. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of just the fitness industry in general, I think we all have, I guess, our own opinions on where it's going. And also, especially from all of us, we all come from, we all been in a corporate setting before. Right. And we kind of understand how they run things and how they do things. So... On this podcast, I guess we just want to discuss about you know, our experience in general 
you know, the goods and bads of, you know, how corporate fitness is and also discuss about, like we said, private training yeah. with uh, Paul Park and his outfit training again. Oh, man, I'm just laughing because talking about all this bad stuff about corporate, like I could go off. Like, you, yeah, we could. We all, we all could go off, but uh, I don't think that uh, go that too far in depth in the corporate business part of it. Um, it's like a new, there's like a new uh, fad, I guess, every month, every six months or like every, almost every year when it comes to exercising or mobility, diets, there's new things coming out every single six months or to a year when it comes to fitness. So like we can branch off on a lot of different avenues today when it, when it comes to that. And like, you know, we can give our thoughts on that as well. Like you know, what we, like we had a podcast a while ago on like the future of fitness, you know what I mean? What we think it'll, it'll, it'll end up, you know, we, I've seen things where like, there's like a literally a mirror you can you can buy where there's a trainer in front of you and the trainer is basically in the, in the mirror. So like there are there's technology advancing nowadays where like you really don't even have to leave your house to have a trainer. You know what I mean? So it's like the future of fitness is is branching is uh growing every single every single day every single year. So it's like interesting like to look at it and see like us as trainers and see how we you know how we approach every single day and like how. At the same time, we have like people out there who really won't even have to leave the house ever again, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think yeah, people could just stay in the house and actually work out. But I, I don't think ever technology will ever replace just one-on-one interaction or just human interaction in general. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, we have apps right now that are pretty much coaches. You know, they give you a full workout program. You follow the sets and reps, right. and you could pretty much just. You know, get your workout in for the week, get three to four days a week of programming, yeah. and that's it. But at the same time, you don't get the one-on-one experience of having someone there to instruct you to make sure your form is correct and to make sure, you know, mentally you're there as well right. uh, to, to help you get motivated and to help you progress further in the gym. Right. Uh, but, Paul, uh, in terms of corporate fitness, like, we – you were in corporate fitness. Like, Uh-oh. why did you decide to leave corporate fitness? Uh-oh. Um, just I always kind of wanted to do things my way. I think I've always been kind of <laughs> like that. Like, I, I, I'm the type of person like if someone tells me what to do, I kind of like only do it like to keep my job kind of thing. Right. Right. Otherwise, okay. I just don't do it. And like, I think it was getting to the point where it was like too much of that was going on. Right. right. You felt you felt like you were stagnant. Yeah, the position that, that too, right you know, okay. like there was no room to grow one. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, too many people were telling me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't reaching my own potential for where I thought my career was going. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you've already been in this space for a long time, right? So, yeah, you know, you, you've seen probably everything in terms of the people, yeah, uh, in terms of management, uh, in terms of just a wide variety of clientele so yeah i think you know I, I i enjoyed all you know the time i spent with all those people you know with you guys um you know our managers but i, I don't think it was anyone's you know fall in particular in terms of what the negatives of that place were it's just it's just something that just comes with when a company gets so big and priorities start to shift in terms of where they want to put their concern on, right. there's no, there's definitely going to be some um, degrading of the service of right. the fitness service. So right. mm-hmm. something has to suffer. Right. Exactly, and like 
you know, if, if you're like any big company um, that doesn't have their employees as passionate as they are in terms of their mission, mm. there's a disconnect there and you're not like employees aren't going to be happy. Right? Like, yeah. Like, um, like I was listening to a podcast the other day with Dana White, mm-hmm. you know, UFC. Right. Um, former owner, he sold the company for $4 billion. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bought it for $2 he million. He bought it for $2 million. <laughs> Sold it for four billion, Crazy. and he was talking about he sold it, but he's still working for the company. And like his hardest thing is trying to get employees that are just as passionate as he is. Mm-hmm. Was this with uh, Tony Robbins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I listened to this one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was explaining how like you know when a company gets that big, you're it's hard to get everyone on board to be as passionate as you are. Like, exactly. You, you when a company gets that big, you need people who once they're nine to five. Yeah. yeah, you need people who are willing to be janitors, right? To sweep the floors. Mm-hmm. Or you need people who are executives and who yeah. will stay a little later and be brainstorming new ideas for the company. Like you need different types of people in order to build a huge company like that. Right. And yeah. and I think that's just how corporate fitness is. And yeah, like you said, it's I don't think it's anyone's fault in general, but in terms of just building bigger and being bigger and making more money and trying to just make, you know, beat your profits from year to year. Like you're, you're going to have to suffer in areas such as, you know, your employees experience or, mm-hmm. you know, your employees benefits or um, just the amount of you know money your employee can make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think as trainers, we all stepped into the field to, to a first thing is to, to make a change in someone's life and, you know, that's the first thing we look at when we look at training. So it's not really about the profit. Yeah, we want to make a lot of money. But at the same time, no, the number one thing we want to do is change someone's life. And right. when, when a company's focus shifts from, you know, I'd rather focus on getting a sale first than actually helping this person and mm-hmm. the impact I can make on this person. Um, it kind of changes our mind in terms of where we want to be. Like, do we actually want to be with this a company that, that just focus on, you know, making the money or a company that focuses on the actual needs of a client. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of agree with you, you know, uh, definitely, you know, I feel like <clears throat> I think it's more so more though, in terms of like where the Equinox vision was headed, like, cause we all worked at Equinox right. and their mission right now is to go into like hotels and, mm-hmm. and build kind of like a lifestyle brand. Right. Right. You know, all companies need to make sales. Like they, yeah, they need it. Like, That's how they survive. Right? right. And like, I want a company, you know, our priority of sales because mm-hmm. we need people to help. You know, we need clients in the door and we need to keep our lights running mm-hmm. so we can help more people. Like, right. That's just part of the, the, the business and, and our clients get it too. You know, they totally understand mm-hmm. and they refer us people because they understand like, Hey, we want to keep this place going as well. Right. right. Of course. So, you know, it's not even about the, the profit. Like you got to keep, you know, gotta keep making revenue to keep yeah. the place going. It's yeah. just more, I think, more in terms of where their vision was lying. If Equinox per se, like they started, you started seeing them investing in the management, fitness management staff, and mm, right. you know, starting to do more things in terms of making sure the service is is getting better. They're investing in the training, they're yeah, investing yeah. in stuff like that. Then it it would be somewhere where you know you'd see yourself growing and investing your time and right, right. effort in. Yeah, yeah. I think um, once that kind of deviated where their concern is more about getting hotels up and running and right. just building more uh, uh, clubs. Right. Um, that's where like the kind of uh, the, the, the 
disconnect. Happens. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah. I think we, we us as trainers, us, well, us three, I think in general, we enjoy the training aspect and mm-hmm. really focusing on um, just getting an individual from point A to point B and, and like we said, changing their lives. And their focus now, I guess, is more on, money. I guess, the, you know, the, more the money, of course, you know, like Paul said, that's important. Right. But uh, like the lifestyle of it, like, Hotels, yeah, and, and not hotels. not the actual training aspect of, because we I guess we could all agree we could all agree that um, we love the training part, the hard work, the the grit, mm-hmm. you know, the the stuff you could accomplish from right. from fitness and working out in general and being empowered by yeah, you the know, yeah, the tangible things you can accomplish and just being able to change someone's character as well as like for someone who's you know who's, who's been unmotivated coming into you and coming to you for help and then. Six months later, you see them accomplishing not just stuff in the gym, but outside the gym and right. being able to be successful in their own business. Let's say that person is a business owner and they take what they learn in the gym and say, like, hey, if I'm I'm crushing all this stuff in the gym. Why can't I do it right. outside and, you know, apply to the rest of my life? Right, Absolutely, yeah. man. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's so many different avenues when it comes to a corporate place because everybody's trying to make money, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, aside from the maintenance staff, everybody everybody in there is trying to make money or a little bit more money or have some a little more growth. So if you have that and you have people with different mindsets, you know, so you may have people who are trainers, but then also have people who are like membership advisors or uh, managers, they have their own way of making money. So not everybody's going to be on, this, on the same page when it comes to the ultimate goal with clients, when it comes to clientele base and that's changing their lives. So, like, if you have someone who comes to the door and says, you know, I want to become a member of this gym and they're overweight, they may not be sold on training, but they would still be sold on the membership. So it's it kind of kind of like they're in the gym, they're in there, but we may not be able to help them directly every single time. Whereas if you have someone like like you, Paul, where they walk through the door, they know they're going to get direct help every single time they walk through the door. Right. So that where the disconnect happens to where you'll have people who you'll sell somebody a boat, but then they won't have anything to pull the boat to the water. It's just, they just have a boat there. You know what I mean? The, the membership is a, is a nice yacht, but you don't have a four by, you don't have a truck to pull it to the, to the water. You know, there's no way for you to actually get the actual results you need. There's no way to utilize the actual gym because they have their clueless. So you can have people who, you know, everybody has a different mindset, different ways of making money, different avenues of making money. So there's a huge disconnect and it'll never be how, you know, how, everybody's happy at the same time. It'll never be that way. I don't think that there's a way you can make a gym where there's money making and people trying to help people and then all that come together as one. You know, it'll be, it's very, very hard to do that. Well, it's like Paul said, it's like when you have big corporations like that, yeah. like, you know, you're just trying to grow bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's hard to make everyone happy. Right? It's really hard. Really, really hard. And it's unfortunate because I think it's a good company, but at the same time, or every corporation is a good company, has a, has a good mindset about it but it's just unfortunate that like people who people who walk through the door from different avenues are going to look at it and go like this is not you know how it's, a lot of unfairness happens in there and it's it's un, just unfortunate not true you know i think i want to ask you guys like you know I, I was in there like two years before you guys right well, like three years and then you guys came in mm-hmm. you know um what it's been like three years malcolm how long you been? yeah about three years there so why why don't you give me an idea like in terms of what you saw change over the last three years because this is like the last three five years is when is when Equinox started moving into, you know, getting into the hotel business, mm-hmm. right. being more of like a lifestyle company. Right. Do you um, think prior to that they were more focused on the training? I think so, man. Yeah. Like there was like, 
Because like when I before I went into Equinox, I was like doing research for a job, yeah. right? Looking to like which facility I should work for, and like after looking at the Equinox mission statement, I was like, hey, listen, like look, this place is great. Like they they focus on training. They want to be the the highest I think uh, in terms of like their knowledge of their trainers, and they want to focus on providing the best service they can with the best technology. So that's the reason why I stepped into Equinox yeah, yeah. in the first place. I think it was like that. Yeah. You know, when you were coming in and when I was there initially. Yeah. You know, you saw like, you know, the leadership more like, um, you know, the personal training leadership. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last X amount of years, it kind of definitely turned into more like they were using it as revenue to further to other funnel, interests. Right, to funnel the other interests. You know, right. so right, yeah. what do you guys think the last like three years, like the shift? I think that one thing that that gym in particular and they struggle from. Not even saying that they struggle, but one thing that happens is that when you have a gym where the members run the gym, that's where you kind of like, that's where things get lost a little bit too. What you do know? you mean by that? Like so think about it, right? Gym? The gym, the members can, the members control whether or not, whether or not they are, whether or not like, for example, if the gym, you have, you know, people who clean the gym, right? Right. The members control if they want to leave stuff on the floor or not. They give no, there's no consequences of, of them there's doing no, it. There's no ground rules. There's no ground rules for mm -hmm. the members. There's no ground rules for the members. There's mm -hmm. everything caters to, the, to them, mm -hmm. which you should cater to the to the, uh, to the the customer. You should cater to them. They should be happy no matter what. Mm -hmm. But when they run the gym where it's like you as an employee have to submit to a lot of things that don't really correlate to their goals, mm -hmm. that's when you kind of like lose out on, that's when you're going to lose someone who's, who's an employee who's, who's good, like someone like all three of us who are good trainers. Where we kind of lose that connection where we're just like, we don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't, there are things I don't want to do for you that, that, that don't involve you getting to your goals. I don't want, you don't want them to run the gym. You don't want members um, to run the gym. And that's what I saw over, over time. Like I came from a gym where that was, it was the opposite way around where like the, 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 um, it's like they looked at the trainers or all the employees as like someone to look for, for help. Whereas the, the uh, the employees or what the uh, members there at Equinox they kind of like it's the other way around like they felt like they knew everything and we were just like there just in case if we needed you you know like change the channel mm -hmm. take this pick up this towel things like that it's not it, to me there's a lot of things that uh, that happen there that don't really happen when it comes to fitness or it comes to getting their result, their results right. too much too much happens that doesn't involve that wants to care to their to the, making them happy rather than actually getting the results they want. Just so like, we end up becoming, you know, just like uh, someone just pick up the towel yeah, yeah, yeah. instead of the you know, seen as a professional as a trainer. As a professional trainer, yeah, and someone yeah. say like, "Hey, yeah. listen, I need I need help. I'm not losing any weight. I need help. Ask yeah. trainer. Right? I don't lose any help. I'm, I don't know how to squat. I need help. I know I don't know how to like. Right. My back always hurts. I need help. You know? Instead, instead, instead just, of instead of like, I need right. to change the I need you to change the channel. I need you to pick right, up the right. towel. Okay. I need you to clean the gym, clean the clean the floor. It's like that. There, the members are running the gym. How? everything operates and it's like I'll decide if I want if I want you to, to hire you as my trainer when I feel like it and I'll just go through this rat wheel for as long as I want you know it's that's where I saw that it started to change a little bit I saw that in the beginning but it's more and more more and more you know I think at the end you know yeah I think that's one of the big drawbacks of these big box gyms right it's yeah. like there's no uh, um there's no like a team atmosphere right you know, yeah. like the members are kind of want them to be catered to, you know, and they're not looking to, you know, they're not invested into the facility, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
and the trainers are working for them, mm-hmm. which in a sense they are, but then there is no like working together aspect. Right. Right. You know, I, I think those big box gyms generally tend not to have that kind of feel where everyone's in there working together to get better. It's more like everyone's kind of doing their own thing and getting someone else to help them do it in place, you know, trying to get something out of other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was my main concern the the past two years I was there. Like over time, I just saw like, you know, people are just there just trying to focus on themselves and individually Mm -hmm. focus on themselves instead of, you know, instead of as a team. And we were, we were told to, to be a team. Like, yeah. you know, that was our, that was our goal to work together towards this, this goal, right. Of hitting, you know, a monthly certain amount of sessions. And, but there was no incentive for us to, to do that. Right? right. There was no incentive for us to, to work as a team. Instead, it was just to, you know, we all knew it was just to make more money for, for management. Mm-hmm. Right. But when it comes to that, like that, I guess that was my main concern. It was, I was saying, you're telling us to do one thing, but then actions and and what what you're saying and uh, what we're seeing in the gym, it's, it's something else. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like you work, you work, you work an extra what five hours, ten hours to make a little bit more money. You know what I mean? Like you work a little bit, you work a, a lot more to work, to make a little bit more every single time. You know what I mean? Like the bonus that you will get for certain for certain things you would do there. It's not doesn't it really equate to the work you put in, you know, and it to me like that's where you start to see like you know there was there was this like mixed dynamic, you know, like okay, like well, maybe maybe this isn't maybe this isn't as fair as I wanted to be, you know. Yeah, uh, but you know, with, with all the bad things I was saying about it, uh, I think there's also a lot of a lot of pros as well. Yeah. You know, um, especially fresh coming out of college. Right. You know, I think I think I was a fucking shit trainer. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know anything. I would agree. Uh, like, like compared to like a lot of the like the trainers that I've met, you know, and you guys individually after seeing you guys train, you know, my, my training was crap when I first came out of college. Right. Because um, you know, we, we read the textbook, we we learn to do this, but in order to apply it and work with clients and actually be their hands on, it's a it's a whole different scenario. It's right. a whole different yeah. Yeah, I agree. Aspect to it. So I think it was a great place for me individually to start off and mm-hmm. just to soak in as much as I can in terms of not just the training side of the uh, business, but also the actual management, like mm-hmm. how to manage your own clients, how to make sure your clients are, are happy um, with their results and also how you keep them as mm-hmm. clients. Because right? that's the most important thing, keeping our clients and making sure they're continuously working with us because that's that's how we live, right? right? That's how we make our money. Right, right. Yeah. But um, besides from, I guess, corporate fitness in general, do you guys see any trends in terms of where fitness is going? Oh, man, I think it's getting bigger, man. It's getting huge. Like It's like everywhere. Every time you turn on the news or like read an article on like something, it's always talking about how fitness is going to make you better. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like mainstream it's in the mainstream media like there's studies coming out every day it's always out like we're right. also about benefits so i think i think um it's just a growing industry right now right yeah um since we were talking about tony robbins you know he invested in the he's opened up this like boxing thing group class which i don't know what to call it so but it's like it's not like i don't think it's exactly like rumble boxing but it's like one of these like boxing 
group fitness class that he's investing in. Right. So he's opening he, up in the city area and the New York City area. So he definitely yeah, he know, definitely understands the understands trend. I understand that, that you know it's a good opportunity for for himself as an investor and for himself as someone who's uh, has has the assets to do so uh, to invest in this field because I think it's just gonna get bigger and bigger. I think I think like honestly like I read something the other day also about how millennials you know um, spend more now mm. than any point like from previous generations on like wellness yeah but yeah. they're actually the least healthiest out of any other generation really why their is age. that it's true why do you think is that um I think just like well one thing is just people move less now than ever before mm-hmm. yeah for sure you know and. There's certain things that lead to that, like you know, a lot of occupations, a lot of a lot of industries. Yeah. Um, technology has definitely some mm-hmm. uh, play in that, um, and it's kind of interesting that we're kind of like going like an uphill battle, like it's a growing industry, but then also like our generation is not necessarily healthy. Right. More people yeah. are working out. Right. But they're not generally healthy. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, uh, you want to say? Yeah, like as people spend more money on like their health at the same time, like technology is growing as well. And technology, if you think about it, it's, technology is made to make things easier for you physically. So you're mm-hmm. you don't have to like you know you don't have to uh, you know get up and get and get certain things whatever as much as you used to. But you don't have to like there are cars now. You don't have to even like steer anymore. As, you know, as technology yeah. rises, right. people move less. You, you know? don't even got to go down the street to talk to your friend like. You don't got to go down the street and talk to your neighbor. You can go on social media and exactly. just see what your neighbor's doing. Exactly. Right. You know, and people think it's a, I think a big part of it also is like people think it's a kind of a substitute for social interaction. Yeah. Right. But it's not. But it's not. And that also leads down to even more negative effects. Like if you're socializing less, people are generally less healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. humans are, we're, we're a social being. We need to be interacting with people. We need to have conversations with people, like face-to-face interactions. Right. You know, and and that could be a, another big reason mm-hmm. why you know our generation is not the healthiest. Right. I think it's a very underrated one. Yeah, I think we, I think uh, so. When you, this is a weird type of question, but what do you consider the people out to be millennials? Because like I know Terry's younger. Than that. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm in the category as a millennial. Think, <laughs> look, uh, look. If you were to Google it, <laughs> because because uh, my client's son is the same age as you, and she doesn't consider him a millennial. Really? Yeah. I'm, 20, I'm 24. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much a millennial. Yeah. Like I'm me on the borderline. I would say millennials. Use the early. What's the ninety what? From early 1980s to the mid 1990s to early 2000s. Yeah. So you're kind of you're I'm a millennial. I'm 95. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Do that. Do that. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're yeah, from the 1980s to the 2000s. Okay, if you're born in that time. Cool, all right. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's like a... So, like, it was funny how, like, uh, my client was saying how, like, millennials... Well, uh, not even millennials. People after millennials, they are will be even more unhealthy because they don't even have... Think about all the stuff we think about every day as far as, like... Uh, like like between 2000 and I think 2010, how technology skyrocketed and how like a lot of jobs were taken away from people who who would uh, like have jobs that are physical where you have to move a lot. In that time frame, those jobs were taken away in that 2000, 2010, where mm-hmm. like 
a lot of like physical jobs or just or they were just hard to get, you know, whereas like people after us, like who were more like in like the 2000 range or whatever, they they tend to just be able to just like make things a lot easier for themselves in terms of even decision making. So they really don't even have they can change. Uh, my client's son changed has literally can change in majors. I think he changed six times, six six to eight times, I believe, since he's been in college. Or because he doesn't, because everything that he's we that way, everything that we went through, he just like uh, this, it doesn't it doesn't bother him at all. And like technology is so much easier for him, where he doesn't even have to interact with other people to try and find like new ways to like to uh, to look at a career things like that, or even to exercise. He just he can just go with the flow when it comes to like when it comes to life, I guess. So like people, well, I don't know what it's called. It's like something. It's called something else. After millennials, to where like those younger people were like they're in that like nineteen to twenty range where they they uh, they were born like after us. Mm. And so like I can you can only imagine how unhealthy they would be as well. You know, like if things get the technology come, becomes better and better every single year, they don't have to move as much and then even interact with people as much as well. Kind of mm. like when they came out with the new like. Uh, like online dating almost like apps or whatever where you can like don't have to interact with anybody in terms of at a bar or on the street anywhere or at a gym you can just really just, just get a date right there you know what i mean and their interaction just decreases over time just because of technology you know yeah but yeah i definitely think technology is great it saves time you know without technology well, we probably have to spend more time doing certain things but with technology saving time then it comes to comes back to the fitness industry, in my opinion, where they come out with these, you know, workouts or these new trends or these new type of workouts where they say like, you know, you can only, you could burn this amount of calories in 30 minutes or you could achieve this result in only 30 minutes of workout. So like yeah. people then tend to see, see that and say like, Hey, I only need to spend 30 minutes working out um, once a week or twice a week and I could achieve this result. And why not? Why don't I just do that instead of, you know, working out three times a week, four times a week, yeah. for an hour with a trainer yeah right. so i think that's the problem with technology in terms of like how they market things like yeah it's a great time saver but at the same time we all know in fitness like you actually have to put in the work to achieve the results you want right yeah. and it's and what people see like if i could just do 30 minutes instead of an hour no why don't I just do 30 minutes right yeah i went to an assessment assessment with a guy recently he said he's like why do i need to hire a trainer for like i can just this app so i can burn 500 calories um for 30 minutes and it's like but I looked at it, I was like, what does it have you doing? You know what I mean? Like, you don't even know how to do half the exercises on here. So I was like, what are you, what's the point? You know, it's, I think more people are just more naive than anything. They just don't understand, like, how it works when it comes to, when it comes to fitness. They think that they can just do a few exercises here and there. I think, I think people just kind of like, like they have an equation in their mind. Like, <laughs> right. like, like A equals B equals C. Right. And like, if I do this for 500 and I do this for 600, like mm -hmm. I'll net hundred. Mm -hmm. And I think they don't realize like your body's way smarter than you. Yeah. Right. Like it's been, the human body has been around way longer than you have. And if it senses things that's going to make it more likely to save energy, it's going to do that more than anything else. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, the, the body's job is to survive, you know. It'll, it'll do what's most comfortable. Yeah, and, like, just, it's just all messed up, man, in terms of, like, people always fighting these different messages in terms of what is best for them, I think. Or easier. For them. Yeah. What they, think is, what they think is easier for them. 
Yeah, and like also like I think America in general is just kind of a lot softer, man. Like, like, <laughs> so like, this is a whole nother topic. <laughs> no, but honestly, like, but yeah, think, for sure. I'm fine with you know our our so. culture, like of capitalism. Yeah. You know, like everyone's trying to make a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And everyone's kind of like in it for themselves almost. Right. Well, it, it's, yeah. I, I mean, think obviously like that's the negative side of this of our culture, but like mm-hmm. you know that's definitely contributing to in terms of. Um, what people mindset is mm-hmm. well it's um, entitlement that's what it is <laughs> like it comes down to that yeah and like people are just like I think like you know there's no discipline these days man there's no right. like yeah. discipline you know there's no doing it because you know you need to it's like right. well, if I don't need to do it I don't want to do it like yeah. I don't have to because there's no yeah you don't have to worry about it right now yeah there's right. no circumstance there's no like no, there's, there's no, no certain consequences. Consequences right now, and you know, know, like I'll deal with it when I'm 50. When the doctor tells me I have all these issues, or whatever, you know, it's like oh, I don't do this right now. I can wait down the line, and it's 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 kind of a sad way to for, to think, but you can understand why they think that way. You know? Yeah, and it's it's kind of sad. I mean, like I guess that's why also why the fitness industry is just growing so much more because like I think I think you know the need for it is getting bigger. Yeah. Hmm. You know, what I mean, like the demand, like, is getting bigger just because the, you know, the the chronic disease rate is, is skyrocketing and the depression rates are like through yeah. the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, everyone realizes the benefits of exercise and the way you know improves your you know your mental outlook. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely seen it grown in terms of like in my own family household. Like my mom, right now, she's like all about fitness. She's like. Telling everyone, yeah, yeah. you gotta go. <laughs> you gotta go walk. Really? You gotta go like really? do this. Like she walks every single day now. Like she, she never used to. Like she never used to do that. Like back when I was like probably ten years back, like our house would have like sodas all the time. Like, I would, I would hydrate off of soda. Like, she doesn't watch. She doesn't watch mainstream media. What do you mean? Like American media? Um, no, she didn't watch American media. Oh wow! So yeah. even like. Yeah. She's hearing it. Like, yeah, she's I mean, because she, she watches, watches like, uh, yeah, she's watched Chinese Oh, media. even the Chinese people are talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even in, in Chinese culture, like, yeah, man, it's you a see, worldwide like, thing, bro. It, like, you see more Chinese people. Like, 10 years ago, like, you did not see Asian people working out. Like, people in Asia and people oh, who are man. Asian, that's so sad. They though. didn't work Asian out. <laughs> like, it wasn't part of their lifestyle. Now it's like, like you said, with millennials, with technology growing. Um, people are getting the information that you need to work out and you need to start doing this stuff. Yeah. And I can just see it from my mom. Like now she's all about fitness. She's all about health. Before yeah. it was like, you know, in my house, I used to have sodas all the time. Like that used to be my water. Like I wouldn't yeah. drink water because, you know, it's, it's, soda funny. It's, funny you, it's funny you say that. Cause like, when you say like they, 10 years ago, they didn't work out. So like, no, it wasn't you, part of their mind. To, so when you think about majority of people who want to go to the gym, a lot of them from across the board want to lose weight. So like, what I see is like I'll see boys or guys who walk mm-hmm. in a gym, walking. I do like a guy I train. He's 110 pounds. He's like six one. He's like, I was like, where do you go? I want to lose weight. And he's Asian, and I'm like, why? You know, for what? You know? Right. And it's like, but you think that okay, if it's new to a to a to a certain society, then then like okay, like weight loss might be the most important thing. Yeah. And it's like I guess like. Most people that most people were like across the board want that anyway, but at the same time, like if it's new to a certain society, they'll, they'll think right away for a while, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Not really knowing that like you don't really have to, you know what I mean? If you don't if you don't need to, you know, if you weigh 110 pounds, why do you need to lose weight for it? If you're a stick, you know. 
I think um, their perception of what they want is like skewed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, in, in Asian culture, like a lot of people, that's that's their image of of someone who's healthy, right? Healthy someone who's skinny. Who's skinny. Yeah, someone yeah, who's skinny. Yeah. And yeah. But I'm like, this kid's already skinny. He's right. literally a stick. I right. think he wants like to be like shredded. <laughs> shredded. <laughs> no, no. no. Like, as he said, he I, said, to be skinny, he said right? I was like, what's important to you? Because I want, I want to see the the the, the, the weight, the weight, weight on the scale go down. I'm like, yeah. You sure it's not because like he thinks like if that goes down I'll get more shredded. He's he's he literally has abs. Oh, he has abs, he has abs already. Oh. He's he's sixteen. Oh, he's leaning up. If he's leaning skinny, up. Yeah, he's leaning in his up. mind he oh, thinks he's in line, he thinks he's skinny and he needs to be skinnier. I'm like I don't know how much more skinny you can get. You know, mm-hmm. like that's I think that's some like uh, there's some like uh, uh, dysmorphia issues. Probably so. <laughs> but he's but he's but he's not the only one. I have another guy. He's 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 like thirty two. Asian. Asian as well. Yeah, see, yeah, see. He's he's like I want to lose yeah, weight. It's I'm like, Asian culture. I was like, why? I'm like, yeah. he's like, you know, I, I just want to lose weight. Especially if they're not American born people. It's funny, that's the man. first thing they, they go to. Like, I want to see a scale. He said not American born. Yeah, if they're not. They're, I'm pretty sure they're not. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not. Dude, it's been crazy because like like twenty years ago it was the exact opposite. Like you wanted to put on weight because then you were like thought of as you know being high status. Mm-hmm. Right. Really. Right. right. And now it's the opposite. Yeah, yeah. now it's the opposite now. Now you want to be lean, you know. I think Asian people always do that. Like, <laughs> to the extremes. You know, like, they always go to the extremes. Like, you know, like, everyone wants to be lean, but times people just want to see weight loss. That's all they want. Yeah, like, that, that is all they want, man. It's like, yeah, yeah. they always take it to, the, to the, like, the next level. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah, they're not adapted to American culture. It's like, and they're just still used to the culture in China. Like that—that's how people are over there. Like, yeah, you're skinny, you're in good health. Right, that yeah, means yeah. you're in good health. Right. Yeah, like they won't, they make money. And they're like, frick the environment. They just fucking like <laughs> towards the sky. Like you go to like Beijing, you can't even see their freaking sky. It's all smogged out, and it's all because you know the industry. They want to make money. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're like, uh, we don't care about, about the environment. We just want to make money. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, that's crazy. They're just, they're ruthless. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, the culture there is just different, but in terms of back to the topic of how fitness is trending, like I said, like, from people I know that are even in their fifties right now are, are all about health, right? Right. not just the young people who are trying to look good, but people who are older and see that, you know, medicine may not be the only option. Like there's much better options out there. And, mm-hmm. You know, besides from medicine, there's only working out or right. and eating properly, of course. Right. And like medicine is not gonna hold you up till you're 100 years old. Right. Yeah. It can only that's, last for so long. That's kind of worrisome, man. Because you think about like the that you know the the demand for trainers and coaches have gone up, but there's not necessarily like good tra- trainers and coaches to fill that demand. No, not at all. Mm, you right, know, right. so like that, I think that's kind of like a little worrisome, man. Like, don't get me wrong, it's freaking great. Trainers and coaches, you yeah, know, yeah. but like, there's also guys who just train people, and these people think they're getting help, but meanwhile they're just kind of like just getting them sweating. Right, right, right. Yeah, we and see this all the time. Yeah, we see it all the time. That's the bad day. part about it. I think like that's the worst thing that you can see. Like one person just doing the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Right. And in their mind, they're thinking, okay, this is helping me, which mm-hmm. it, it can be. I mean, I guess it's right, something's like, better. Than it's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like, yeah, they're not going anywhere. There's always a there's always that dynamic of like a trainer saying, "Well, they keep coming back, so I'm just gonna take the money." You know, like, right. well, you see them look the same year after year after year after year, and you kind of think like, 
you know, I mean, it's they're, they're happy. So you, can, it's like, can I argue with them as a train, as a, as a, as a member yeah. or like as a, as a client, they're happy. They're still coming back. They keep purchasing. They keep mm-hmm. buying sessions. But then mm-hmm. it's like, but where are I they? Think, I think that's another reason why, you know, I decided to head more toward like small group training. But <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you're doing one-on-one training, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, trainers are human too. You know, right. like we're, we're not a machine. Like, eventually the like the only person you're really accountable to is a client mm-hmm. That's right. and if the client is going one extreme and you're another extreme like you're not going to pull the client to where you're at you're probably going to meet in the middle mm-hmm. so if that involves you just kind of like working to an intensity that they can sustain um and you know they need, need to go a little bit higher mm-hmm. and they're not willing to go there like you don't have the energy to pull that out of them every day. Right. Like yeah. as much as you think you do, yeah, your 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 energy is gonna meet them in the middle. Like that's just bound to happen over the course of like X amount of time you spend with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so Yeah, it's very rare to get a client that's you could push them to past their like not I guess you, you could push them past their limits, but like to really reach higher grounds and take them to the next level. It takes a lot of energy lot. on your part. Yeah, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of energy on as a coach. As a coach yeah. mm-hmm. And you know, it's as good of a coach as you can be. Like, if you don't have that other outside accountability of a culture, of a gym, of a gym culture, or like yeah. other members or other team members, right, right? It's in the end, like you know, you're gonna meet probably meet in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. right as right. much as it's gonna be. So that's mm-hmm. I think why you know personal training it can it has its place, uh, but I think a big part of fitness now is is guys gotta head toward like more. The, the team aspect like mm-hmm. like you know that's why growth has been CrossFit, so yeah long. that's another so that's a huge one you know? yeah not that we not to, you know not that I condone to it or like I would want my client to do CrossFit but the idea of it the tribal idea of it is what keeps people coming back you know right um, and these guys get more results than like a lot of like gems right because they, they that is true yeah well the clients are willing to push themselves to the next mm-hmm. level because they yeah. see someone else like see someone else doing oh, it. they're working they're hard i can't push. be the only one yeah. here to be slacking off yeah. right and there's like rules yeah. yeah there's rules yeah, like there's malcolm rules. was talking about the other time like you know trainers aren't picking up towels for uh their members like members are doing it because they know it's part of the gym community exactly right, right. like or they're like putting the weights, their you know put the weights back exactly you know, it's right. like they're putting in their own two cents yeah i only see I only see members put their weights back are the, the members who train with who train with trainers. People who don't train with trainers don't put their weights back. They have dog mm-hmm. ties everywhere. They don't have any respect for the gym. Yeah. So like they the trainers who train the the clients who train with trainers, those are the ones who have a little more respect because they know like this person has been doing a lot a lot for me. So you'll see them like unrack the weights for you at the same time or whatever. They'll like they'll put throw the towel away and things like that. So they have that a little more respect if they're you know, if, if there's like a community or there's like a e- equal ground of help, you know, if you're helping me or helping you at the same time, you know, it's kind of kind of like that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's my two, two cents on like personal training. Yeah. You know, um, that's why I feel like, you know, we're pushing, you know, at our, at our gym right now, we're pushing the small group um, training model of people training in groups of four and, and really just having them work, kind of alongside each other yeah, right. under the umbrella of, you know, the culture of the gym. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree in terms of like, like there's a place for personal training. Like I think personal training is great for individuals who, who are first starting off, you know, don't know how to do a basic squad or have a lot of limitations and you need that one-on-one interaction. Right. You can't just throw them in the group and tell them to follow uh, a workout program. But 
once someone has the basics down, they can squat, they can hinge, they can push, pull. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just kind of throw them into the group and then give a little cue, fix them here yeah. and there. And then from there, it's just, you know, everyone just motivates each other, push them, uh, push themselves and kind of have like self-independence in terms yeah. of like know how to do on your own. Because mm-hmm. us as trainers, we can't be next to our clients 24-7, right? So mm-hmm. the point of having self-independence and them knowing that, hey, listen, if even my coach is not here and, you know, there's a day where I can't, let's say, make it to the training facility, you know, maybe I could do something on my own at my mm-hmm. house gym or like right. know, I have some stuff around my house. I could just get in my own workout. And I understand already how to do, you know, my squats, my push, Ooh. my pull. Mm-hmm. And then from there on, it's just that what keeps them going. I think when they could have, um, you know, a responsibility in themselves and keep them, themselves accountable. Cause I think transitioning from relying on a coach and just being self-motivated is the hardest part for, right and the hardest transition for a client. Right. I think, um, you know, that's, you know, that's a huge part of why a small group, I think option is better, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, have clients, like you said, take more ownership mm-hmm. and have them transition into, you know, taking lead on their own fitness journey mm-hmm. yeah. instead of just having people tell them what to do all the time. Like they're not going to get themselves better from that. Right. You yeah. know, they're, they're not going to learn anything. And, you know, you train like when's the last? You know, you train with somebody six months, and then like you're telling them, "Hey, can you do this?" And they don't even know what the exercise name is. Like, yeah, right. You know, as much as you tell them, like yeah. if they don't need to know it, they don't need to learn it. They're not gonna learn it. Yeah, yeah. But let's say you're in a group of four people, yeah. and you're telling them to do something, and you see, and they don't know it, right? And they see everyone else doing it already. They right? feel like they feel what like, the hell? Like I'm falling behind. Yeah, yeah. So they have to know it. Yeah. They have to learn it. Mm-hmm. So now they they know the exercise now. They understand what I need to do, and then now they can take it on themselves to actually get better at it. Right. Yeah. This is those little things. You yeah. know. It's funny how you say about the push. We want we want them to push to that to that next level. Uh, so like when I teach the class on Saturdays, the only time I see my clients actually push that next level is when they're in that class. Right. So like for example, at the end of every uh, at the end of every class, we do suicides. So there's one there's one guy who always wins every time. There's this kid guy named Carlos. Mm-hmm. He wins every single time. He beats everybody on suicides. The other guy named uh, uh well Greg, yeah, he he sees that. He right? sees yeah. that. He's, He's like, like yeah, I want to beat him. I want to beat him. I want to work hard. I want to beat him, yeah, I I get, beat him yeah. every time. Every yeah. time I want to beat him every time. So like he hasn't beaten him yet, but every single time he comes there, he gets a little closer, a little closer, a little closer. And then like so like today, like so we did four rounds of the suicides. The first round, he put everything he could into that one round. Mm. Now, yeah, he might have like jogged it the last three rounds, or whatever, or he might have like walked it the last half, or whatever, or the the uh, last round. But like that little bit of push he did in that first round, and that first is more than he's done in the in the, in the, in the two right. days he did. Right. So in the two days he sees and me, it know? didn't require you any more energy on your no, part. Right. part at all. Yeah. Really, like honestly, you had like you were just there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it didn't require to bring more like motivation. Right. Or like you yell louder, or yeah, like yeah. talk more. Yeah, yeah. You just let it organically happen. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, you guys know Mike Boyle. Mm-hmm. You know he's probably the one of the biggest names when it comes to strength and conditioning and fitness right now. Like, like one of the godfathers when it comes to like fitness, functional training, yeah. strength and conditioning. Um, he always talks about just you try to be a lazy coach. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You try to do as little <laughs> as possible and just let the athletes kind of get ownership of, of the process and have them push each other like you just talked about. You know? right, right. Just let it organically happen. Right, right. 
And I think that's where a lot of also like young trainers like coming in, like they feel like they always have to do something, mm-hmm. always have to like correct something, they always have to fix something. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, even if the clients are doing it okay, like they're always gonna say something, this and that. And it's like that's not always the best thing in terms of the clients, also like the longevity of the coach and just the culture of the 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 product in general, mm-hmm. you know? Right, yeah. So what you talk about is like case in point, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's Oh, kind of like a win-win for everybody right you know? right he like that push there is like you know it's to see him do that and like to know that he okay he didn't win that time to know in his in his mind he's like next week i'm gonna get him so you i'll see him throughout the week you know like sprint on the treadmill or like he'll do suicides on his own at times you know like upstairs and it's just that like yeah it's a little bit of a competition but that little extra work is gonna is a little extra of him what we, what I need out of him, you know what I mean? What I need him to push himself a little bit more so that way he can get the results he wants over time. That's all it is. It's a little bit of extra energy you're going to put into the gym. Yeah. That's all it is. It's not, it's no other, like, either in the gym or outside the gym. It's just a little bit of extra energy you got to put in, you know, like, then that's what it takes. That little bit of, like, competition a little bit here, a little bit there, that's what's going to help you, like, say, okay, like, okay, I got to do a little bit better. I can't lose every time. Like, he can't win every time, <coughs> you know, something like that, you know. A little bit of competition is good. You know, like, when we did, like, that little single leg RDL thing that like when we were at the uh, the spot the other day. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm doing it, but then afterwards I got done doing it, I'm like, maybe I need to work on a little bit more stability on my left side, you know what I mean? Because I felt it was harder doing that on that side. It's just just a little bit to just remind myself I need to work on something, you know what I mean? Or get better at something. I feel like a little competition does help with that, you know? Yeah. Um, going back to what Paul was saying about like new trainers, you know, saying too much or like doing right. too much with their clients. I, I think definitely over time, when I first started training to, to now, like I see myself just doing less of that, like trying to get away from, you know, say every single little thing, like, oh, your knee is shifting a little bit. Let me <laughs> make sure you fix that. You yeah. know, try to get away from that. Because yeah. like when I first started training, it's like, oh, I really got to make sure that squat is like 100%. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like-, like, and I think it's just, it becomes overwhelming for myself because I'm always trying to like look for every little thing and try to make sure the perfect form and, and they're correct, like 100% correct. Instead, instead of just being there and just, you know, letting the client do his thing and not uh, being there to assist, but at the same time, letting the client figure it out. Like, exactly. you know, know, that way they know, like, you know, when a squat is good or when it's bad. Exactly. Yeah, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, you know, you know, as our gym starts to grow, you know, we definitely want to take on more trainers and, and just going about, like, thinking about how I'm going to start training new coaches coming in. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, what I'm going to start putting together in terms of curriculum, but just trying to think about like if a good point and like, you know, when I see a client sometimes and just kind of like, you see a bad rep, like your first instinct as a coach is to say, Hey, like, yeah, say stop. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. 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 Yeah. Um, but you also like, if you're an experienced enough coach and you have an idea what's going on, like for me, I've just been trying to make, you just give them a little bit more of a benefit of doubt in terms mm-hmm. of like, especially with a coach that has earned your trust. I mean, with a, with a client that has earned your trust or yeah. an athlete, right? Yeah. Like you see them do it well before, mm-hmm. you know, they're capable mm-hmm. and in the back of your mind, like you want to say something, but that's only because for you, right? You know I mean, yeah, if you exactly. want to, exactly. if you're in there for the benefit of the person, like your client, then you know, you're not just saying something to soothe your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Just let them like, like about 95% of the time in that case in point, I just kind of let them do another rep. The second rep is way better. Right. Right. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. they felt it was wrong mm-hmm. you know they know because yeah. they've done it before and yeah. like like 
the human body, once they pick something up, it's pretty damn resilient. They'll, they'll learn it pretty quick and they'll fix it. And right. them doing it that time, okay, that's when you provide some praise right then. Right. That's when you say, oh, exactly. good job on that fix. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that'll go a much longer way than if you negatively critique them on the bad rep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like positive reinforcement on fixing it. Yeah. And that's that just sets up more opportunities for you to be more of a lazy coach. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to do as much work, but in in some way you did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you guided them along the right way. Yeah. And they're gonna do better on their own with less energy on your part. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah, I think until you gotta take them to the next level again. Right. You know? Yeah, I think that that switch from saying less and just letting them do their thing. It's, it's more positive than if you're just every time just saying like, hey, listen, you got to fix that back. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. Right. It's all negativity. And it's it's for someone who is especially new to training, it's like, yeah, look at that. I'm doing that. Like, like they'll tell you, like, or you see their expressions. Like, I'm trying to do that. Like, I'm doing my best I can to keep my back straight. It's or to like, soothe. You know? Like, a lot of trainers, they want to soothe their own anxiety. Yeah, I definitely learned that, like, when I, it, over time, yeah. over time. Because when I first started, I was like, oh, fuck, I really want to make sure his back is straight. So, oh, yeah, yeah. so his back isn't messed up because I feel like. Other people are gonna judge the way I'm teaching this person how to do a let's say a deadlift, yeah. and it's it's kind of a bad look on me. But in reality, it's best if you just you know let the client do his thing. After they finish this set, maybe say some things like, "Hey, you did great on this, but you could probably just fix this up a little bit." You right. definitely have to have like systems systems too, right? Yeah, like yeah. What experience comes with like okay, if you're teaching someone a deadlift, like you probably want to get them started on like a front load of good morning, mm-hmm. like right. get them really good at that, yeah. and then. Get them doing like some RDLs, yeah, you know, yeah. and then mm-hmm. have them, you know, do some trap bar, like, yeah, because then that just makes your job easier, right? Um, because you can't go have a person just do a regular deadlift from the get, yeah, right, because most likely they're not going to get it, especially mm-hmm. if they're like, you know, never done it their whole life, right? Um, so that's when you're going to be in a bad situation. But if you know they're learning the basic entry level exercise, you give them a few cues, mm-hmm. let them figure that out, and mm-hmm. Then, like you know, there's not much risk there in terms of injury, yeah, right. so there's no need to really be on top of them, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I think that's where you, you have to put yourself in good situations to be in that predicament. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed every time I see a client that they do a rep to how I like them to do it, I kind of almost either clap my hands or I kind of like pretend as though like you just did the greatest thing ever, you know right? I mean? Like I, like I've seen you squat squat better than this before, but when you actually do it right, it's like yes, so. Everything you just did, do that every time, every single time. Right. Obviously, they may not do it every single time from here on out, but every time they do, it's like you see, you felt that. That was how how I want you to feel every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, just perfect, just like that. I remember one time we were talking about how, like, find the balance between like, like he wanted to teach them to do certain things that they never done before, but you also want to do everything that, that they're good at at the same time. You know, you don't want to just be that horse, be that dead horse all the time and say, okay, like, come on, let's do this, let's try and do this, let's do this, our day, let's do this deadlift. But then, but they're really, really good at squats. You know, it's like sometimes you want to find that balance and say, like, okay, let's just let's do what you're good at because doing what you're good at is going to make you feel better anyway. You know, that uh, that positive reinforcement of you and me telling you like, we know you can squat well, but at the same time, like some new coaches will look at a deadlift and go, and they can't get it right, they can't correct it right, and they just keep saying back straight, back straight, back straight, and it's like sometimes as as a new trend, you want to you want to try and get away from that because. Just do what they're good at for the most part, you know, try and do your best to be efficient at what they're good at. And then, you know, over time, we can implement those uh, those things we're trying to work on, you know. Right. You want to kind of like give confidence in these people. Right. 
They're kind of like they're kind of like if you think about it, they're kind of like babies. They are. They really when it comes are. To fitness, at mm. least. Yeah, they really are like babies. You know? So like, you want to give them confidence. Like, you want to give them like a lot of success. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. And one guy at uh, what's that gym that Wes used to work for? Uh, what's that thing? That uh, that big gym that was in the city. Um, it's like a name of it's like a name of a guy. A guy, it's like a guy's name. Crunch? Not Crunch. No. Um, oh, what's the name of that gym? It just closed down. Like they, like they. David Barnes. David Barnes. Yeah, he was like, there's a guy there who. Um, yeah, what's his name? Yeah, he's worked there for a while. I believe he said he's worked there for. Maybe I don't know. He said that one guy. He asked the guy, "How do you retain clients?" Because the guy there had like a ton of clients. Whatever. He said, "How do you retain clients?" He said, "I compliment them all the time. Every single session, I probably compliment them fifteen to thirty times in one session on on like the whole day and the entire time. And just that little bit of just that little bit because." Think about it. They go to work every day. They maybe hear something back from their boss, something back from their employee, from another employee. They may hear something back from their husband or their wife, whatever. Just something negative all the time. Or like they might hear something negative from their child's teacher. So you all hear this negative all day long, but you're the one person every single day at 7 a.m. that gives them all the confidence in the world. And that's one way to, that's one way how he retained a lot of clients is by giving them the most praise for that one hour. Yeah. You know? There's also, that's also another. Way you know to spin it the other way, like how a lot of bad trainers get keep clients, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They're not really good at training. So that was really just good, good at, at making them feel. Yeah, that really was good at like, making people feel yeah. good, right? Yeah. So that's where it's kind of like yeah. at the more hazy place. Yeah. At the time, Wesley was more talking about how can I make more money, and the right. guys were saying how how you retain more clients, how retain more clients by giving them more comp- more more confidence. Really? Um, which I've also seen trainers who give them negative reinforcement who who keep clients as well. In terms of like a psychological way of like you need yeah, me. It depends of. on the client. Some people yeah. like that. Some people like that. It's a yeah. reputation of the trainer. You know what yeah. I mean? If the trainer's got a good reputation, the client will be able to handle it a little bit more. Right, yeah. yeah. But like, you know, there's studies that have come out in terms of like how negative uh, reinforcement helps people. Right. Yeah. It really doesn't. Yeah. There's nothing that shows it helps people. Right, yeah. Like, um, I agree with that. But there's, I, but there's nothing. You know, yeah. it's it's almost like zero. Yeah. Um. Positive reinforcement is usually the best, and like, you know, if there's no difference, mm-hmm. you might as well make the experience like enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. you know, what right. I mean, this is something I got from uh, one of my professors, Pat Davidson. He uh, he cited a study on uh, Air Force pilots, I think, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how like he they compared their performance based off negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. There's really no difference. So if there's no difference, why make the experience not enjoyable? Right. You know. So that's. Something I think, like, you know, to back up your point. Yeah. Yeah. Compliments. Yeah. He, like I said, that particular gym there, they really, I would say they're a numbers-based gym, obviously. You know, they want just more more revenue, more money. So, like, whether or not the trainer's good or bad, as long as he keeps clients, all that matters, you know. Not saying that guy was a good trainer, but Wesley was more pertaining to how, ask him, how do you keep clients? And that's one way he was explaining it. Whereas good trainers will take a part of that, but it's like we're also better coaches as well. You know, like, I feel like I'm around two of the one of the best coaches I've seen over the past three years since I became a trainer. So, you know, I've seen every single aspect of like how you guys train or whatever. So like one thing I do see is, is the positive out of it, but at the same time, the, the coaching aspect of it as well. You know? Yeah. You got both, man. Like if like the, the best coaches and trainers have both. Yeah. Right. They know how to make people feel good. Mm-hmm. They know how to like, you know, uh, um, motivate them. Right. But at the same time, they got the technical, the technical parts of it. They know how to get them, in good positions to succeed physically. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are the things you kind of want to look for when you're kind of looking for a coach. Like, 
But then again, like there's no standard and, and, and people are kind of like, they have no idea right. about that. Yeah. So that's where the yeah. growth of the industry is kind of going against where the standards of the industry is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. There's a there's kind of like a disconnect. It's growing way too much for there to be uh, um, um, quality control. Right, right. right. You know? Because there's so many different avenues where trans can get certifications. There's yeah. not one umbrella where people where people get the certification from. Exactly. And also there's just much more like channels like right. social media. Social media yeah, yeah, yeah. Internet. Yes. So that's the next topic I guess I want to lead into and then that'll be the last one before we end off this podcast. Uh, I just want to discuss about, you know, I we discussed about this before, me and Malcolm. Uh, we discussed about how if there should be actually a, one certification or if, you know, trainers should actually go through school, like how doctors do in order to get certified. Like your thoughts on that, Paul? So uh, we're going to continue that with that discussion. It's funny. I was talking to another trainer the other day and we were talking about how, like, you know, how insurance covers a lot of like, you know, a lot of like, uh, you know, like if you want to get like no a nose job or like that deviated septum. <laughs> really, nose yeah. covers that? Well, they cover if you got if you got if you got deviated septum, they'll cover. They'll okay, okay, okay. Cover with septum. But like, let's say like it's a nose in job. terms of uh, like let's just say for personal appearance, would that cover? No, no. Okay. No. But you got to be like a health condition. Has to be quote unquote health condition. Quote health condition. Yeah. So like a lot of them will cover that, and we were talking about how like how every single avenue will make more money if. If well, we feel feel as though every avenue will bring more money if they would, if some places would maybe pay a little bit of personal training, um, for some insurance companies will pay a little bit of personal training so that way some people can afford it more, you know, I mean, or able to make it a little bit more affordable. And uh, I was talking to them about it, and they were saying how like, well, we would have to be under one umbrella, you mm-hmm. know, we would we can't have you know a, a, a NASM cert or A cert or mm-hmm. a ACSM, uh, all these different certifications, but then the insurance covers. A little bit of, of the pie or all the pie when it comes to training, we would need every single trainer in the U.S. to be under one umbrella to, to you know, to have to be able for this to happen. That's yeah. only, that's kind of the only way it would make sense. Yeah. What do you think, Paul? Like in terms of this discussion of how if trainers should all come from one cert? I think or, um I think it's kind of I think it's it's really hard to regulate something like that. Yeah, it's definitely hard. Really hard I, I don't think you'll ever get to that think, yeah. that point where it's like everyone just comes from one cert, kind of like how physical therapists uh, they all come from that national board I think um, it's just going to be the, the cream rises to the top yeah like in terms of what the best goal standard is when it comes to fitness yeah. like you talk about like in the nutrition realm like probably the gold standard right now is precision nutrition right. when it right. comes to you know helping their clients get results and mm-hmm. the science they have behind it and the and the, and the um, amount of credibility they have at the leadership of that company right like Everyone in probably the fitness industry knows, like, you got a precision nutrition background. Like, you probably know what you're doing when it comes to nutrition coaching. Right. So I think, like, and they're not a government-sponsored certification. They're right. a private company. They're a private company. That made it their mission to, you know, provide the best nutritional coaching for their clients. So mm-hmm. I think on the fitness end, it's going to be the same thing. Like, the cream is going to rise to the top. Right. If you're providing the best product out there and, and has the most respect, like, that's going to be the one that people realize is the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think us as coaches, we know which certifications are kind of just bullshit and mm-hmm. like just trying out there to grab your money and then which certification are actually useful and gold standard that we can actually apply and help our clients with. 
at the same time, like I think also certifications are kind of like you know overrated. Like it, yeah, like, that, a little, yeah, yeah, a little, little bit, a little like, bit. You know, yeah, like if once like you know my thing is like if someone's telling me all the certifications I got, you got you're probably not a good trainer. You're talking about this and that, like you have this certification, this certification. You probably are not a good trainer, man. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what you're trying to do. Like get a bunch of certifications. Um, it doesn't speak to me about your coaching ability. Like the right. best the coaches results. are not talking about they got this certification, this and that. Right. They're talking about how. The stuff they know, they talk about the stuff they actually practice. Mm-hmm. Right. And the results. Right. Exactly. The results speak. So it's like, I think that stuff is kind of overrated, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when people ask me, like, oh, what sort of vacation? I'm like, I'm, I'm, a tell I'm a fucking trainer. I'm, tell I'm a trainer. Like, I don't think I'm really anyone's even asked. Like, none of my clients have asked me. No, yeah. That's only, again, like, for your the trainer's own, like, you know, uh, ego. Yeah, yeah. More yeah. anything else, you yeah. know? So. I think that stuff is overrated. It, it's it's not necessary. If if a if a person has no certification and they have a um their own like passion for the industry and they're learning some stuff on their own, yeah, and they're getting results for people, they're hundred times better than anyone else that has like ten certifications. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. So if you hear some guys say like they got certifications, they're probably not a good coach. Right. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. I agree. I definitely agree with that. You have to you have to be in it. To experience it, you know what I mean. You have to be, you have to be well into in deep to experience client base, you know, one on one to really like know if you're good enough, if you really actually love it or not, you know. Not giving these certifications like ten, you know, ten, twelve certifications work from different avenues, you know. It doesn't necessarily make you good, you know. Like I've known people who there are people who we know who got certifications for tennis for tennis swings. That's because the area itself pertains to people who, who do tennis. For business wise, that makes sense, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're a good trainer because you can teach the next person how to how to swing a tennis or tennis uh, club. You know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good. Like from marketing perspective, and how good. to market yourself yeah. as a trainer, especially when you're at like, a, like, for example, a big box gym, right? How can you differentiate yourself from another trainer? Mm-hmm. Uh, besides from getting results for people, a lot of trainers tend to say like, "Hey, um, here's my uh, here's my bio information. I have ACSM. Mm-hmm. I have all this." Right. I have A to Z, and like you know, now you should, I should buy some training from me, right? Because I, because I know everything, but that, that doesn't mean you freaking know everything. I think right? that's, I think that's where like certifications, like they grew because of the big box gyms, right? I think those kind of had like a symbiotic relationship, like yeah, big yeah. box gyms, like they needed trainers to get certification to market themselves. Yeah, that's why a lot box. of big box gyms offer these certification, yeah. you know. And I think like, you know, that's something that's been a fault of the industry. Like, you don't need certification. You just gotta know you gotta you gotta have some self you know uh, ambition to learn stuff and actually do a good job with your clients mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right right and then um back to the topic of um we we're talking about always oh, we're discussing about how trainers should have be under one umbrella um like we said we i think we all agree that it'll never be to that point it'll never be to that yeah. point no and i think just in general i don't think the government will ever allow insurance to cover personal training because it's yeah. it's preventative care there, there's so much money in and just giving people medicine right, and right. you know the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. that they will never you know you know reimburse someone if they actually start training mm-hmm. or reimburse someone um, who's who are spending three to four times a week training with a, a trainer because then they won't be taking any medicine right yeah, and I think, um, like, does it really need to be, you know? Like, does it need to be, like, one method for physical activity, you know? Right. Like, yeah. does it need to be, like, oh, the gold standard when it comes to moving? Like, if someone likes to do, like, Pilates and yoga over, like, 
you know, Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting, like that doesn't mean that they're wrong. You know, right, they're, right, they're right. doing it's better for them. They're moving, they're healthy, they're happy. Yeah, right? yeah. They're spending time with other people that are doing it. Yeah, for sure. So they're they're less probably likely to be depressed and anxious. Like mm-hmm. that's the best thing for them. You know what I mean? Like right. it it doesn't have to be where like you have to have one method. You know, mm-hmm. and like trying to put on their umbrella, it's like you know, what the hell? Like yeah. why? Yeah, that's the only way that. It would make sense for insurance for that to happen, but we know that it would never happen anyway. Um, well, they're talking about like the latest thing right now is the universal basic income, right? Like, right. That's, that's what, from uh, what's his name, Andrew Yang. Andrew like, Yang, yeah. He's yeah. one of the Democratic candidates. He's talking about like providing like a stipend every month. Yeah. Um, thousand dollars, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's probably the closest thing it's gonna get. I don't know. I don't know I, in terms of like what's gonna happen in the future, but I think yeah. that's the closest thing that's gonna what's gonna get when it comes to like having some government-sponsored initiative mm-hmm. to right. give people something to use possibly for their health, mm-hmm. right, yeah. you know, but I don't think you can, like, write off, like, like maybe, I don't know, you never know, there could right, be some yeah. write-off for, like, health initiative yeah. expenses. I mean, they, do, they do, like, do it for, like, memberships. Yeah, so, like, yeah, I was going to bring it up. There's possible. a, there's a uh, I believe, a guy, one of my friends, he had, like, a discount, or he had, like, he had like a discount on his insurance if he showed he checked into a gym. If he showed if he showed he proved he checked into a gym, yeah. Obviously, you know, there's ways you can get around it, but at the same time, if he showed he proved he actually checked into the, his gym membership, then he got like a discount on his insurance. Well, it's not like a government sponsor. It's not a government sponsor. Oh, thing. so he's talking about some health insurance. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's a private company, company that incentivizes right, right. it. Yeah, yeah. Incentivizes right. it, yeah. But yeah, but in terms of a national law, that's uh like Paul said, I think that's probably the closest thing you'll yeah, get. It's closest thing in, in terms of if the government wants to help uh, individuals, you know, reimburse them for for training. Yeah, you never know. Like they might have like a health initiative, you know, ex- uh, exercise acti- like physical activity write off in the future. Yeah, maybe. You never know. Yeah, yeah. it might, it might, it might be. That'd be a, a huge incentive for people to actually, you know, come to the gym or well, hire somebody. You know what I mean? A huge one. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, uh, we'll end off this podcast here. Um, we want to thank Paul for being here and giving his time to be on this podcast and. Right now, I guess we give some time to Paul talk about F- Outfit Training Academy. Uh, it's a it's a private studio in the in the city that's really unique. Um, we already discussed about it a little bit in terms of it being group training based, and that's what they're pushing for in their mission statements to get people together and get them communicating, be commodative, and really have also self independence. We also discussed about you know clients being able to be self efficient when they're at the gym. So yeah, Paul, you want to discuss about Outfit? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like Tara was saying, like, our mission statement is to be the most people-focused fitness company in the industry and just bring back that side of how, you know, we should be working toward getting better mm-hmm. and improving, you know, ourselves. Obviously, we use fitness as an avenue, Yeah, you know, and we think it's a, a huge avenue as, you know, we're really just, you know, not to get crazy, but we're really just animals at heart. Like, we're just... And with big brains, you know, and, and like our, our physical side is so important. And I think has been very underlooked the last, you know, 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, we're just trying to make sure we, uh, we just try to stay true to who we are through movement, you know, through community, through, uh, um, just enjoying the process and um, we're trying to create the best environment for that to happen in terms mm-hmm. of our, our small group program, 
you know, making sure our coaches are very vetted mm-hmm. um, and just providing the right atmosphere for our clients to succeed. Mm-hmm. And um, we're hoping to really just, you know, push that initiative. And, you know, who knows, 10 years down the line, we have like a string of clubs like Equinox yeah. where we're just mm-hmm. providing the right message for people mm-hmm. and providing the right avenue for people to see well, and, and for people to succeed. And it's only been like, you know, three months since we opened it. You know, we, I've definitely seen some things, some things you can't measure in terms of tangible numbers, um, the way people are just interacting and the way, you know, our coaching sessions have gone. It's definitely, you know, heading towards something that we've been envisioning and it's been, you know, great to see. So mm-hmm. looking, looking forward to seeing what, what this, the future holds. Right. Yeah, and uh, Malcolm and I are definitely excited for, for the future of Pit. Um, how can people find you in terms of social media, just Outfit Training Academy on Yeah, Outfit Instagram. Training Academy of uh, Instagram and Facebook Outfit Training Academy uh, website outfitacademy.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can all you can find us. What's the there. what's the physical location like the address? Right on uh, 30th Street between 6th and 7th Avenue, right by Penn Station. Okay. Um, you know, we offer complimentary assessments. If you want to just check out the space, we've been having a ton of um, people kind of check in and see what's going on cuz it's um, real, just small, tight-knit community of people just uh, really bringing it, really. Like, it's in the end, like, we do, like, some real, you know, real stuff. We do real stuff. It's not sugar-coated yeah. sugar in terms of our methods, mm-hmm. but we're always putting people in the best place to succeed. And, and um, I think uh, um, it's, been, it's been great so far. Right. Uh, that's good. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to check out Outfit Training Academy, um, that's the information. Outfit Training Academy on all social media platforms, um, also their website. And yeah, this is a long episode. We are almost hour. got like an hour and a half almost. Uh, this is our longest episode ever. Almost, almost, almost hour and a half. Yeah, yeah almost an hour and a half. So I mean, I, I definitely like these episodes where we can have someone on uh, and a guest on. That way, we can have different perspective. Because sometimes it's just me and Malcolm. Uh, discussing about a topic we agree a lot of times and also there would yeah, be a, really, a third yeah, option really, or a, we don't really disagree too much. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. you guys got like a censor version man i'm telling you well, like, what do you mean censor version like we didn't really get into the stuff like you know yeah oh yeah well yeah in terms of the people who are listening right yeah yeah, yeah we'll get to part two if we, if we need to yeah but yeah I mean, we definitely minimize We're the really just scratching the surface yeah scr- scratching the, for you sure know. definitely scratching the surface in terms of what really goes on in terms of, uh, yeah. well, like we said, corporate fitness and what we, what, our thoughts about it. Yeah, what we see. And the industry itself. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's good. Like I said, I, I love having people on the podcast because it's just like an open discussion. We don't really have, like, a set agenda. Uh, we do have, of course, like a topic, general topic. But like you said, uh, like, like you, as you can see, we went through different types of uh, mini, mini topics without in, within this podcast. So, Hope you guys enjoyed this one, um, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to reach out to us on all the social media platforms and also uh, leave us a review down on the podcast application you're listening on, and we'll see you guys in the next episode.